another episode of Anatomical Precision. I'm your host, Mike the Dog Klein, and with me tonight, we have Chris Schlegel, the King Schlegel Dasher, <laughs> and Monsoon. Oh, wow. We actually haven't uh, explained the Schlegel Dash on, on air. the podcast. Now, would you like to? Go ahead, Chris. Okay, so there's this brief moment, about 12 hours roughly, where... Uh, there was a strategy that I called the wave dashing of Guild Ball, where you would use a pass to the ground to uh, use uh, pass and go, or whatever it's called in the new rules now, because the rules oh, yeah. didn't involve a uh, receiving model, only that the receiving model could do one if there was one, you know? And uh, so I brought it up on the rules form, and everybody got all excited and had their fun making up jank that we all knew was going to get banned. And then I woke up in the morning and Bryce had banned it. So, uh, but anyway, it lives on in the name of Schlegel Dashing. Maybe one day. <laughs> Season 5. Yep. Managed to break the game. Pretty amazing. Alright. Well, Let's before we dive into our main topic, let's talk through any uh, news or announcements we have. Lon, um, Twitter challenge is still ongoing. We uh, we have to get more Twitter followers than Dan, which I think he's at like two oh something, and we're around sixty or seventy. So we got some work to do. But uh, once we get above Dan and Twitter followers, we'll send out some free AP widgets. They're pretty quality, and also it will further our cause in the in the war against uh, in the great war against the pitch. So <laughs> you know, buy buy bonds now. Support your country. <laughs> it's the safest investment you can make. Yeah, it's literally it's literally value. Betting <laughs> against uh, the safest investment. Yeah, short short sell the pitch now. I am <laughs> um, going to. I am. I am actually getting on the uh, the Twitter to see exactly. We have sixty three followers, so we need to get to. Um, need about one hundred forty more. Yeah, about one hundred forty more. So uh, you know, join the Twitter. If if I could do it, then you could do it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. I put a up there the other day. Did you see my? Uh, Alex Bot's uh, shelf gif. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> High quality gif. Excellent. Um, so, uh, what other news and announcements have we got? Um, any tournaments or anything like that cool coming up? Uh, just the thirty-two man local events. The only one I got uh, coming up. Uh, either of you two going the second win? Chris, you're going, right? I no? am. It's the. Uh, it's like the day after my final exams are finished. So it would be a great reward while my brain's busted. Mm-hmm. Or a great way to drink to forget. That's on the 1st, right? December 1st? No. No, no it's mine, like the mine 15th is on or so. Yeah. Whatever the weekend of the 15th is. Yeah, the... Oh, the 15th. So, yeah. <laughs> the 15th, yeah, the 15th is second wind, and the 1st is the beautiful uh, 32-man local event. Uh, in Long Island. Well, if you're, in, um, if you're in the southeast and you want to prep for second wind or whatever, 
We're doing a little local on the 8th. So come on down to Raleigh. Get yourself a tournament. Are you yeah, running or are you playing? Oh, I'm running, yeah. You should play. Let's we'll see. You, I'm but you never play. Yeah, you don't play. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also in nearby Ohio news, uh, the Bourbon Trail Open sold out like two days after it was announced. Yeah. Because it's back in a distillery, so people are hype again. Yeah, but you should and, put uh, you, you should put your uh, name uh, on yeah. the wait list if you want to go because there there's a pretty good chance that that at least at least one ticket that might be residing uh, in my possession does not stay <laughs> in my possession as much as honestly, I honestly, like. Mike, you could just fly into Cincy and I'll pick you up. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Actually, not a bad idea. I was talking to um, Antonio runs it now, right? Yep. I was thinking about maybe taking our um, video recording equipment up there that we did for uh, Team Travel. Oh, that'd be that'd be super hype, man! That would be pretty uh, cool. I, I, I just also recording. get on the waiting list because I mean I haven't talked to Tony about it, but um, it might expand. Who knows? Ooh. So we'll see. Things to come. Yeah, things to come. It's in February, so. Got some time. <laughs> All right. So, what's our topic today? Play style. Lon, do you want to do you want to kick us off on this? This is your baby. Sure. So, uh, one thing I was kind of thinking about me personally is how I play and how sometimes I feel like there are gaps in my play, and it's not so much because I don't. No rules or strategies or anything like that. It's but it's more so of a almost like a personality issue, like the way I like to play and how certain teams facilitate that and certain teams don't. Um, so you and I and, and Chris had a kind of a decent discussion on this on Discord, and we thought, well, why don't we just kind of talk about it? Um, so the first step that I did was uh, <laughs> uh, put a little Facebook poll out there on Gubs to see what people thought of, like, just any word that they wanted to put for their play style, which... Yep, like a true dually, you left open the, uh, open left the, open the options. Yep. Uh, there were uh, a, lot of, a lot of really creative answers, and uh, a lot of people consider themselves incompetent, so maybe some of this uh, discussion will, will help that a little <laughs> bit. Um, but yeah, so we I tried to kind of distill all the wacky answers down into what do I got here about ten different ten different choices. Yeah, four different categories, ten different subcategories of that. Yeah, and just remember as we talk about this that uh, nothing's binary, right? So you, you know, it's not like you're one or the other. You can some days you might be one, some days it might be other. You might find yourself smacking in between. Um, See, the first category we had was uh, mindset. Oh, hold on, okay. we didn't we didn't talk about why this is important. Why are we talking about play style? Um, I mean, you kind of me, yeah, go for it, Chris. To me, I think uh, by being able to identify your play style in a way of being able to identify the patterns of choices that you make, uh, it'll help you identify where you might go wrong, uh, what mistakes you might continually make. Or what you just have to lean into in order to maximize your output. 
Yeah, I mean, agree. Definitely, um, like, simply put, knowing your play style can tell you, like, what kind of models you would prefer, what kind of guilds you would prefer to play, potentially. Um, but it also, more than that, it, like, it gives you a base of, like, you understand kind of your your over, like, where your overarching strategy and, like, decision-making process will tend to take you. So then you can do two things. One, you can, you know, determine how to use that and lean into it, as you said, and, and like, say, like, okay, this is what I tend to do. I tend to go in this way. Well, how do I use this to get me to winning a game? Um, and then additionally, you can recognize when you need to break from your normal play style and, you know, do something different um, in order to win. So if you normally are very much, um, you know, conservative in your play, and we'll talk about that in one of the categories, but if, like, you're, you are very uh, likely to take the safe option, sometimes you need to know, okay, I tend to take make the safe decision. Let me think about this decision I'm about to make. Is there one that is maybe more risky, but, like, gives me a better chance of winning this game? Right, greater reward. Um, so yeah, so knowing your play style is really important for like your practice, for becoming a better player, to, because you need to have an understanding of how you tend to play the game in order to A, like lean into that, make it your own, you know, and make it work for you, and then also, you know, know how to switch. Yep. When necessary. All right, so. I think wanna, the first thing we uh, wanted yeah. to talk about was win condition, um, because that one's pretty easy to understand for in Guild Ball context. Uh, so our win conditions, we had the categories and we rolled them down into beaters, ballers, and adaptive. And we had the most adaptive people out there with 43 responses. We had beaters at 37 and ballers at 35. So, so I mean, let's yeah. simply... Win condition as a category of playing style. This is obviously like, how do you self-explanatory? How do you prefer to win the game, right? Um, I think that's more just like it's. It's more. I mean, I guess pretty simply, it's like, do you prefer takeouts or uh, or scoring? But I I I also think you can like broaden the, if you didn't use beater and baller and use different kind of um, terms. You could also kind of make it a little bit more abstract into like do you like to grind out things you know slow like not slowly but like do you like to grind out your points or do you like to get big play I don't know that might be kind of going into I think there's a little bit of that in there you know like the um, what is it in magic they call the Timmy where you you know you're the guy that likes to do the big stuff I think that kind of does fit in a little bit in Maybe a little bit more into the baller strategy. Um, what would you think, Chris? Um, I'm not really familiar with the magic categories anymore. Like, I know I've read them before, and I know we've even discussed them before, which kind of led into this uh, right. playstyle thing that you did. Um, what's the. It's. What? Which one was the. I know there was one that's like, when it all cost, one is win with your own personal thingies and the other one likes to play the flashy stuff even if they don't yeah i, I don't remember it <laughs> well let's get away from that though i mean that's okay yeah, okay, okay. yeah we don't like magic here 
Get out. Uh, we have beaters, ballers, and adaptive. And as Mike said, you know, like we said in the beginning, this is very amorphous. So you, you can clearly be two, all of these, or none of these, really. I mean, you and could I, be a control player or whatever, like a hunter player. Yeah. And I don't, and I, ad- I think adaptive, um, like a catch you can be someone who, you can be someone who prefers to, like, your goal is, you know, the, the Chicago style, as it's been called. Yeah, I'm going to get four takeouts and then get a goal. Um, but you can, just because like that, I would say that's your play style. If you're like coming into the game and that's your plan, that doesn't mean you won't adapt. Like a good player won't adapt as, um, you know, the wing condition like becomes available for them. I think this is like more of a going into the game. How are you intending to approach? Like, what are you in your mind? How do you win this game? Um, and the beaters again are the ones who are looking for that, like, I am going to, you know, hold on to the ball, uh, or you know, keep the ball out of play as much as possible, and then get a bunch of kills and then score a goal. Um, ballers obviously are looking to get a bunch of goals and open up the game, and then the adaptive people are like, "I'm going to take whatever is available at the time." Right. Do whatever is best needed for this yeah. particular turn. So, what do you guys think of, out of these three? If you like had to pick one, which would you be? I'm going baller all the way, man. That's, that's the way to play the game. <laughs> yeah. It's the most exciting to me, and that is why I love it. It's why also the easiest for me to yeah. like conceptualize like how to do it well. Like honestly, I've uh, crutched myself too hard using Corsair all these years for my beater kills, and so uh, I don't know how to engage people fairly. So. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem that I have too, for sure. And I think that's like one of the weaknesses of kind of the quote unquote baller player is, and actually I was talking to Alex about this earlier today. We really don't understand how like an honest engagement works. You know what I mean? Like the meeting of the lines is just such a weird foreign concept. Yeah. Then that, you know, we might need to work on personally. Uh, One day. Oh, I was, before I get to mine, I was going to say, I think, yeah, kind of like you said, people who consider themselves ballers are going to go for you know, going after the ball, going for those big plays, and again, typically scoring focused, but even if not exactly like, um, you know, if it's push-outs or, or just something else. Um, I, th- I think like the weakness of those people is that they're not like doing the money ball kind of style. They're not like, okay, I'm going to go in here and set this up and push, you know, and get this player over to here, and that's going to generate me some momentum. And if I, you know, I have this much influence on the field, and I'm likely to do this much damage, I can probably kill that player this turn. And like, you know, just put money in the bank, put kills in the bank, momentum in the bank, and being like, okay, I'm getting the momentum in the game, and then also momentum, like the more broad concept, going into my favor, as opposed to the ball who is like, okay, you know. I'm visualizing my path to, you know, to this. Okay, I need to go here, do that, and then next turn I'm going to get that, or I can dodge off here, go here, and get the ball and score. You know, like those guys. Or if I get this, I can kick the ball. Like it's more about seeing, like seeing plays happen on the map, right? And you're not guessing, right? Like that's. I think that ballers do like generally have more spatial awareness. At least on like an aggregate, like the whole pitch spatial awareness. 
because you kind of think of zones. At least that's kind of what I do. I mean, I if you're yeah, if you're gonna do good at it for sure, yeah. <laughs> if you are a ba- if you are a baller, well, if you're gonna be good at it. Yeah, sure. Well, no, I'm saying if you're if you're a baller and you like see this big plane, you get your goal, but then you deployed all your models to one side, and the opponent just kicks the ball back out the other direction, and you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's the thing I'm always thinking of is, is when I'm playing my three goal teams is like this model covers, you know, these, this nine inch area. area. This model covers this other, you know, 11 inch area, that kind of thing. I don't I think one of the big advantages to this place of like really focus, ball focused play style, uh, so say, would be to it, it kind of forces you to focus in. A little bit, like kills. You have to. You, you obviously have to be focused, but you have a very big picture when you've got uh, when you've got a really heavy focus on takeouts. Mm-hmm. Well, when you got a really heavy focus on the ball, you really just focused on one thing, so to say. Right. Um, kind of like putting blinders that. on a horse yeah. a little bit. Nice. Uh, what I was gonna say is. Um, for me, I think definitely adaptive would be mine because I can see it definitely when I play different guilds. Um, I find myself pivoting. Uh, and I think even as like, just there's periods in my gaming where I find myself going like much more towards um, like a, you know, that traditional 4-1 hold on to the ball. Part of that's team, but also like as, as like a year goes on, like literally from the spring to the fall, I found myself, you know, with Union getting much more, um, cons- uh, much more like beating focused with them. But um, I think generally uh, adaptive because I don't find myself. I think I want to start winning a fight, but then if I'm and, and if that works out, I'll go with that. But my plan B will be like, okay, can I get enough takeouts here and then score some goals? Uh, and, like, or is it time for me to transition from one to the other? So, so you're going in for like a four and one, but then you are strongly considering in the back of your mind the pivot. I think I think it well, it really depends. Like I'm play, playing uh, Scotha, I'm going for a hundred percent a goal as soon as possible, and then I'll see how the fight is turning out, and I'll see like how how you kill the ball, and I'm. Going for a, I'm probably going for a two two. Whether you're getting a two two or a four one, I'm I'm going for a two two. But if I can use that threat of the of the extra goal to get more takeouts, sure, I'll I'll grab it. So, what do you think? Maybe like some of the weaknesses of the adaptive play style are. Um, I I definitely think sometimes like if you get sit. The whole idea of like adapting, you have to adapt at the correct time. If you switch from your, you know, conservative or your like beating, controlling style to something more aggressive or more, you know, a different style, and that's not the right answer at the time, then you might lose. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sometimes, yeah, sometimes the plan, you know, and what you need to do is what you need to do for a reason. Yep, it can probably also be a lot harder to foresee what the correct choice is going to be when you keep a, a very open game plan. Because like, just because of the way the allocation works, right? It could. Yeah, I have found times where uh, it's like, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going into it with one plan and I want to be adaptive, but you know, it's like, oh man, I needed three on mist. And it's like, well, I'm not going to put three on mist unless I know I'm going for a goal, you know, three or four on mist. So yeah, that, that definitely can happen. All right. Next, next category. Yeah. Um, what do you want to do next? You want to do risk aversion? That one's pretty sure. easy to comment as well. So risk aversion, we just broke down into two categories. So we had our risk takers and our conservative players. And almost double the amount of respondents, actually, yeah, more than double the amount of respondents considered themselves risk takers. It was 38 to 18. So um, it's, it's kind of as it, as it, it's pretty easy to understand, you know, someone who's a risk taker is you're here to roll the dice, right? And it's not necessarily that you're bad at math, but you just enjoy the risk reward, right? Like you'll take a 30%er to win a game and be comfortable with that. So what, what do you think about that, Chris? What are you more yeah, risk? Yeah, I think that's uh, accurate. Um, you've got, well, I think that uh, in general you'll see a lot of the like top level consensus is to be very conservative unless you need to make a comeback, in which case you got to start taking risks. Um, but every, this one, I think, is the biggest, uh, like, is, uh, how do I word this, is the most uh, spectrum right. like, of any of them because it's there is no, like, actual... There's no number that you attach to say, okay, this person's taking a risk, you know, unlike the, uh, our wind conditions category. Like, that one you can attach numbers to. You got your 2, 2, 4, 1, or 3, 0. Um, I mean, you can even change during the course of a game, right? Right, yeah. It definitely changes during the course of a game if you're good. And, I mean, even if you're not good, like, sometimes risky options don't even even present themselves but um i think i i personally tend to lean towards a little bit of risk on this um i've done a lot of 30 percent 36 percent like siren siren charges to get the ball passed to her to pass to seconda to snapshot i've done that several times and Turns out pretty good sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes it just straight wins you a game. Uh, but you definitely, I think you definitely need to be able to flex towards a risky uh, attempt if you need to make a comeback sometimes. I also think that one thing about risk takers is you love a story, right? Like you remember, like I remember hitting a you know, like twenty percent balls gone off of Josh White's Colossus into like the perfect scatter. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah. I, like you you tend, you just love those storytelling moments, right? For sure. Like almost all of my uh s- stories that stick with me have involved a snapshot somewhere. And that's right. probably the riskiest option you can ever take in football. Right. Because you're you're dropping two momentum just to take it. You're probably bonus timing if you can. And it's still, yeah, less likely. And, and, and you still got to take uh, two successes off of it. Mm-hmm. So, Right. Like, no one remembers that time when Decimate dealt that, dealt eight damage. Because, of course, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, what do you um, think, Mike? 
where are you on the uh, the spectrum on that one? I think I'm definitely more conservative than either of you, but this is uh, this was a hard one for me to get. So the way I was actually thinking about this was I was having a conversation with Henry K about hunters, uh, and he was like not a hundred percent seeing. He was like, "Yeah, Scott was good, but like he, I think he was thinking that Theron was the better captain." And this isn't a a conversation about whether that's correct or not, but like um, we were kind of talking about. He was talking about like some of the things he didn't love about Scatha, and he was um, it was interesting because it was very much highlighted to me the idea of like different levels of risk. Because everything he was saying, I was like, um, like this is, this is totally worth it for me. Uh, he was like, oh, I don't like tack five. Yeah, you got to tackle on one, but like sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes you got to work. And yeah. I was like, I was like, no, no, no. That, like yes, I get you, but like no, the t- tackles on one. It's momentous. She's got the legendary. She's got the double dodge. She's got anatomical precision. I was like, yes, you are it's a tackle double dodge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's. I, I was saying. I was saying it's like the least risky of the risky things. But he was like, ah, you just throw her in there, and if you know, then she's gonna die. Like you know, get killed top of the next turn. I was like, yeah, but that risk is like, yes, that's worth it for me. So definitely, there are. Um, I find myself probably slightly, I think it depends on the team too, but slightly more of a risk taker than any of the other like really good competitive players that I play, but not yeah. too much. So I definitely, I, I'm not particularly uh, a risk taker. Definitely, and I would say definitely not um, even close to either. So. Yeah, and the weird thing, like when I thought about this one for me personally is. I take a very different stance on this one, like before any dice are rolled, before I know what teams are going to be, just based off like the person that I'm going to play against, right? So, like if I'm going to play against, I don't know, if I'm if I'm going to play against uh, like Henry, like you just said, Henry's a lot better at guild ball than I am, so I'm probably going to be super risky like the entire game, right? Whereas if I'm playing, you know, one of my locals who's maybe only got five, six games under his belt, or this is maybe his very first tournament, like, yeah, that game, I'm going to be real cagey on that game. So, like, how I perceive my opponent makes me more risky or less risky. I think that one's, uh, I think that's generally a good idea. But I think uh, you have to make sure that you actually know the person's abilities and not that right. they're just, like, some random person who hasn't had, like, much travel in their double right. record. Like, basing it off of their long shanks numbers might not be the best option there because <laughs> then, you, then you might, like, go in with too conservative a strategy and it turns out they're the next freaking uh, world champ coming up or something. So, yeah, it can catch you on the back foot. And I do, it is interesting too that you mentioned that, Mike, because I feel like kind of the greats, you know, like I guess quote unquote the guild ball gods, as you will. You know, no, most no, of no, them, no, no, don't even, don't even give it. Really, <laughs> you don't want to call like anybody in the top, you know, fifty or whatever. Like most people tend to be on that conservative leaning side. I'd say. I um, mean. Like, there's a simple reason for that, I think. Mainly, I that that reason is that, like, you will, if you are winning tournaments, it means you're winning multiple rounds in a row. And, and just 
by nature somebody who is more risk and putting themselves more at odds to lose games that they might have won had they not taken those risks. Doesn't mean they it also means yeah. that they could win games that they might not have won. But like if you are like yes, if you are going to play two hundred games and I tell you you want to win as many as possible, um, not counting like which games you need to win. You're, you, you like the you strategy you would take. Hand. Yeah, you would minimize that. You would take the conservative approach. Um, at least if you find yourself to be generally better than most of the rest of the field, because you would assume that you are more likely to win. So play conservative, and you'll probably win. But at the same time, is you know eventually yeah. that like does break down with it, individual it does games. Kind of self aggregate that way. Yeah. Well, was it? Sorry, go I ahead, think Chris. one of the interesting things is like I was actually doing the math on it the other day just because uh, uh, someone on Discord who is very scared of playing ball, or at least uh, creates a persona of being scared of playing the ball. Shame uh, him. Shame him. Name and shame. No. <laughs> anyway, I did the math on it. Like, if you have to, if you were to actually take all your if you had to take a four-round tournament and had to score twelve goals to get through that whole tournament, it's like the so odds of you—the odds of yeah. you uh, not missing any of those goals if you were doing them all on four dice—is like forty-six percent. Yeah. So, like, you're more often than not you're going to miss a goal somewhere in the tournament. That's why I used to argue that you know, probably about a year ago, maybe a little well. When the shark nerfs were coming and the Midas nerfs were coming and everybody was up in arms over that, I was like thinking, well, shark is like a good captain, but he's not really an all day. Like if you were forced to do, you know, the, the Pete Williamson's play your same six all day, shark would be a terrible captain because just <laughs> the variant, right? I mean, if, if all your opponents were potatoes and you miss one goal and lose because of it, I mean, you're not going to win four rounds. You know what I'm saying? So it right. right. It's it 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 does kind of like build in a uh, a long term over individual games uh, kind of like buffer in a way. Yeah. Like going for a very conservative, takeout focused game is going to be very much like you know. So what if you miss? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the general idea is like a mix. This is one where you you right. can have a uh, you can, can have a go to, and you can be both. You can have a go to, but you need to do both. I think a great example of that is obviously uh, you know Timmy, uh, the you know two time WTC team champ and also uh, former world champion. He had he has like a uh, you know a reputation of being a really risky player. Well, at the same time, this is the same guy who won a game at the last WTC by being so conservative that he just didn't bring any of his players back on the field. Right. So like right. clearly, yeah. clearly it's it's uh, adapting, and I think that's kind of generally the takeaway advice that uh, for any of these is know when to adapt. Um, when you need to do one or when you need to do the other, even if you tend towards a certain uh, right, yeah, style. Definitely the overarching message, I feel like, of this whole topic is going to be that. Know when to switch, uh, switch gears, go into a different style. All right, what's, what's the next one? 
so the next one we had was pretty, this one probably be a little quicker. So we had mindset and the differences were analytical or intuitive. And not a lot of people responded on either one of these, but most people identified as analytical. And I know that I would definitely, like, even though I'm probably on the risk of herbs, like this, these things don't go hand in hand exactly, right? Because you would think a, a risk, take, risky person wouldn't be analytical, but I definitely am probably more on the risk taking side, but also on the very much so analytical side where, yeah, I might take this 30% play, but I want to know that it's a 30% play. You know, I'm checking my little long shanks, uh, dice math thing all the time. Um, just avoiding, you know, it's also, I think this is a really good one. Like analytical people, I don't, I think we fall into that. We don't fall into that, um, results oriented thinking trap as much because we know ahead of time that there is a chance for things to fail. Whereas an intuitive person, I, I feel like is, you know, you kind of just go with your gut. You, you just have a base, use your experience to understand what will likely work and what will not. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Doing the hard math on it. You just feel like, oh, well, this is a attack seven model and it gets a four, four one. You know, I'm going to get at least two hits, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I think. I think this one is the most, like, weirdly one. Like, you definitely is subject to, like, uh, a lot of, like, well, I perceive myself this way because I like the sound of this one a little better. Mm-hmm. I think that's that would guide people's thoughts on it a lot more. Um, but, like, I definitely could see it happening a little bit. Like, when we were playing doubles at SteamCon, like, there were moments where we were low on clock and you were getting a lot of analysis paralysis type of thing where you were just like kind of freezing up and I'm just like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to take this turn. I know you're thinking real hard on this, but I'm going to give you some time. I'm going to move my guy. (laughs) Their turn. Like, because I I didn't want to waste the clock, you know? Uh, And so I think, I mean, by that, by that nature, I guess you could say I, I lean more towards intuitive in the fact that I definitely analyze all the like plays and stuff ahead of time in a outside of games and stuff. I come up with a lot of theoretical like ideas, events strategies that would happen in a yeah. game, you know. Um, but once you're in the build spot. a playbook, so yeah. to say. But once I'm in the game, I try to turn all that off and rely on what I've cemented into my head. Because that makes me better on clock. Yep. And that's definitely, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's something that I personally struggle with is clock management. And that's something I'm trying to get better at. I think it, and I think a lot of that is that analysis paralysis where you're just thinking about, you know, there's 15 different options here and I want to make sure I pick the right one type of mindset, which sometimes can be a downfall. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mike? Uh, it was, yeah, I was silent on this one because I was really thinking about it, but, uh, I'm both. <laughs> um, I really, like, literally, this is, this is a hard one because I certainly, certainly know, do, uh, the dice math pretty frequently. Um, I definitely think things go through and I definitely take time to weigh options. Um, like, I'm definitely very analytical in that way, but at the same time, I 
don't always do all of those things. I, I like sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't do all those things in the game um, when it comes down to like getting things done. So I will definitely um, not even think about calculating odds if I'm like trying to kill a model and or trying to do X Y Z and I am going, you know, and I know I need to get this hit or I need to get this hit a couple of times or like I need to hit this column and then I can hit other ones. Like I will basically do a very, very rough like calculation in my head that's more heuristic based um, than like actually doing the math. And I'll say, okay, like not like, not kind of to the, you know, say I'm six dice against four one, I'm going to get two, but not like that's like, okay, six dice, uh, Against the four one, I know I'm about like just over, you know, I'm over fifty percent to get two. But like I, like I need to get two on this one, otherwise, like I, the activation doesn't work. So this will have to be a bonus time. Versus like I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it here because the if I roll the seven and don't get it, then it's the end of you know. If I bonus time and don't get it, it's the end of activation. But if I don't bonus time it and get it, I'm good. And if I don't, or, or if I don't bonus time and don't get it. I'm still okay and I can still adapt. So like I will very much use like kind of my experience or you know what we call like in the psychology field heuristics, like my kind of general you know biases and things that I've built up through experience and um, you know, and and knowledge of like how things work. So it's like okay, this is how yeah. this will work. So I can then do this. But in between games and so you know, and for certain activations, I'll definitely slow down and weigh the options and be like, okay, you know, how many dodges would I need to get there? Is that possible if they take a you know if they take a uh, a counterattack? Does that ruin this? You know, and then going through and doing that in my head. So both. (laughs) I like you and Chris are pretty similar in that regard, just the way you both described that. Yeah. I mean, as analytical as I am as well, you know, I, I, one thing I will say is I've, a lot of times I'll feel like I can predict pretty well what the opponent is going to do. So that's a little bit of instinct that kicks in. So I think we all have a little bit of both in, in this one too. Excellent. All right. Our last category. And our last one, I wasn't really sure what to call this one. So I called it style. So I know we're talking about play style, but, um, this is overarching called this one style. And the three categories, this one was a triplet category. It had aggressive, reactive, and then YOLO jank. So, uh, <laughs> so aggressive was more, you know, you're very much a tempo oriented person. You're the one that wants to be setting the pace of the game. You want to throw questions at the opponent and see what kind of answers they have. Whereas reactive is kind of the opposite. You're more of a problem solver. You want to see what the opponent is going to do and then react to that and wait for them to make a mistake. Um, and then YOLO jank sounds aggressive, but it's actually neither. It's more of a, you want to make this complex system work in the way that you designed it to work. I think an example of, of maybe YOLO jank, um, as, as you termed it, uh, is like some of these, you know, you had the attritionment, which, you know, and Jared, in season four, Jared's like, fish sumo those kind of like i have a, a style of playing um, that's not I, supposed to work well it's not even that it's not <laughs> supposed to work but it's like it, 
it is a specific like game plan that is not necessarily just I am scoring goals or I am getting uh, takeouts, but it's like I am traditional for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that is like the Rube Goldberg machine. Like this thing has to happen, which triggers this thing to happen, and then this happens, and then we win. This one's actually the closest one I saw that Magic in a in their like. People always say aggro, control, and combo, I think. Sure. Yeah. Yellow Jank very leans towards that combo-y style. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah I think a good, a simpler way to think of the Yolo Jank is also someone who's like, yeah, I want to load a couple of synergies between models um, in a way that lets me do something crazy, whether it's like a you know, combination of, you know, like, uh, just, I think Pinvice's Legendary is a great example of Although you can use it in certainly an aggressive uh, manner and play aggressively with Pinvice based on it, but like the idea of her of her legendary and what you often do with it is pretty much down that combo style because it's like I'm gonna push this model up in here and then I'm gonna be able to pass back and get around here and then do this and then score a goal and now that other model set up and like that's combo. Uh, you're like yep. you're creating combinations. And, uh, and it's all going to be in Harry Aura, so I'm going to make eight momentum. Yeah, you're you're putting together yeah. a machine, right, Chris? I think you're the uh, you're probably the king of the Yolo Jank among the three of us. <laughs> uh, I have been playing this in my style for a while with Shark. Uh, yeah, that might be yeah. hard to say. Exactly. But, and, and so are navigators too at times. You know, <laughs> but I don't I don't think that Shark necessarily. I don't think that some captains definitely. Towards, it, but I don't think that Shark necessarily has to be um, Yellow Janky. Like Shark could be super aggressive. I'm gonna go in and oh, certainly, yeah, yeah. And I think that's like often actually how he is. But that's, like, but then, like I said, I was doing sumo with Shark. Mostly. That's well, yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> like <laughs> I was consistently going two and two with Shark. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> own, yeah. that's kind um, of what it boils down to, right? The Yellow Janky is kind of like the make it your own. Uh yeah, kind, I mean kind of, but I I, I think it's I, so the I, like the yo know, the combo that Chris like I know loved to do with Shark was the the Laura and uh Laura and Jack push off you know, right um and like just that like or just generally different ways of getting models over to the edge and then pushing them off so that that right there is you know offensive title surge yeah, there yeah, you babe. go offensive title surge like those combos are are that style. Uh, but let's talk about the other ones, and then Lon, I want to hear which one is yours. But like aggressive is, yeah, like, as you said, it's it's the proactive strategy. It's the person who would, yeah. well, you know, you want to um, threaten a super long, you know, threat, big activation, whether whether it is a goal or um, or you know, killing a model. But you want to be like, all right, shark's going to go in, generate six momentum, score a goal. And have legendaried on everybody, so they can't get back to him. And now I'm going to score a second goal, top of the next turn. Or you know, I'm going to set up these buffs and move this model, and I'm going to you know, you know, basically tell my opponent, "Can you deal with this? If not, this model is going to activate last, put a bunch of damage out. I'm going to win the momentum race. I'm going to go. I'm going to you know, kill a player and, and go back, or I'm going to kill a player and score a goal. Like I'm going to set this tempo and make them react to me, and then have to like." Yep deal with what has happened. That's definitely what I, I think aggressive is uh, 
I like to think of it as uh, tempo, right? So yeah. I, like, you want to be the one asking the questions. You're, like exactly like you said, you know, whether it be a goal or you know a, a, some sort of um, buff setup, you know, I am going to put all of these buffs on decimate, and you need to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. So make make the opponent choose or see if they can solve that problem and if they can't solve that problem well then you're going to snowball out of control and i definitely mostly identify with that play style for sure and i think i would consider that one out of all of these things we've talked about i probably identify stronger with that aggressive mm-hmm. uh, i don't understand like i mean i understand it right i understand how the, the opposite the reactive works but, but i just don't like trusting that my opponent's going to do something wrong or or that I need to make sure that they act in a certain manner and then be able to like bring my trap I suppose I, I, well, I understand it it's um you can almost think of it as more of a defensive style as long as if you're playing a very reactive style uh you can make a more efficient use of your influence and activations and stuff by forcing your opponent to, like, say, come to you to fight. There's yeah. been the influence to sprint, and you're not, um, you've got the gang ups, they don't, stuff like that. Wait, so I was going to say, this reactive style, I, I, I know, Lon, you were saying kind of let your opponent make a mistake, and that can definitely be a part of it, I guess, like, it depends on how you categorize mistakes, but... Um, I think the reactive style, and you've seen this so much, uh, very much, is that standoffish style, which is something that certainly does happen, um, yeah. especially like at the higher uh, levels of play. Uh, it's the idea of like I am going to wait, and I will take time, and I will use my resources and only engage in my you know, goal scoring or fighting or whatever when it's going to be advantageous. To me. So I think that's the reactive style. It's like. I think it's less, maybe reactive is even the right word, it's like less that you are reacting to your opponent and then only responding. Then it's like, I have a game plan and I'm reacting to how the board is and I will only execute on my game plan when it's going to, like, you know, what I need to do when it will give me an advantage. As opposed to an aggressive player who is yeah. going to, is going to, doesn't mean they can't, the aggressive player also can't, you know, back out for a little, but they're not going to sit around, like, the person who's aggressive, if they are playing in an aggressive style, will say, like, well, yeah, well, I'm going to throw this model in and do what I can do to start things off, even if maybe, you know, like, obviously, like, if you don't set it up right, if the aggressive person can't find a way to ask the question hard enough, it, it could be that the aggressive player goes in and then has engaged kind of uh, not to their advantage and put themselves on the back foot. Um, or, you know, they right. are able to, you know, kind of successfully navigate, you know, overwhelm the reactive player and say, well, I'm going to go in here, and you might have not thought I was going to go in, but I'm going to, you know, go in and accomplish something and then, like, you know, put pressure on So I think there, yeah, it, it is, the reactive style actually, I think, really is popular. Um, like, this isn't a knock against people, but in general, almost all of the, like, uh, I, I can tell somebody is at least, I'd say, um, an above intermediate, like a pretty skilled player, if I see them playing very reactive in early turns, um, because I know that they're playing, and that also jumps into some of the other categories, like conservative, etc., that they, you know, they're they're not just running 
models up into threat because they want to set them up to threaten parts of the board. You know, I've seen people who be like, I will do, I will just stay out of your threat range no matter what. Like, and it's like, okay, um, you know, like that's that they are going to make that choice. They're like, even if I don't accomplish anything myself, I will just not give you an option to, right. to do something good, or at least do something, you know, ideal. And just to kind of, you know, self-report, I, I think that's something that I need to personally work on. Like, um, last few weeks I've been playing Ox Butchers, and I'm just really struggling with them, and, you know, kind of was a little frustrated about it, and um, I was talking to someone on the, on the internet today, and basically I think that's what it boils down to, is I need to learn how to be more patient with my game plan. You know, you don't have to sit... You know, it's better to lose a couple of influence than to put yourself totally out of position, like that kind of thing. So I think that's something just self-reporting that where I could get better is to, to sometimes be a little bit more reactive. Yeah. Um, I, I, I realize I never said which one my style was. I think I actually definitely am um, more aggressive. Not the most. I'd say probably like 60-40 and I'm not too much of a combo player I would think uh, I like some I like a good combo for fun but I think in general like not that doesn't like super excite me I'll use combinate like synergies and combinations obviously to get an advantage but I do like um, aggressive I think like the, where I saw it the most was when I would play that rage and I would throw benediction into people's lines it's like as long as I was confident they weren't going to kill them with you know to activate like bottom of turn, top of turn activation, I would throw him in. Yeah, he's braced, he's stand firm, he's in cover, like, and he's engaging you. So, like, go okay. ahead. Yeah, figure out what to do, solve this problem, because otherwise I'm going to go kill you and start you know, getting, taking advantage. So you're not doing the uh, the, the Tokyo Drift? The, the YOLO Tokyo Drift? I have yet to do one. Uh, well, mainly because, though, like, in every... Uh, Scotha game I've played. scores a turn one goal, uh, then gets beat on for a turn, sometimes gets killed at the top of the turn, uh, and sometimes does not. Ends up score, uh, scoring a snowball or two. Um, but yeah, she spends most of the rest of the game either like dodging around the goal and getting snowball goals um, or going after the ball, or like she gets killed and then comes back on for like the second winning goal. Um, so she hasn't gotten a chance to Tokyo drift the bear yet, but well, now that we've kind of talked about all of these, what um, what's one thing about knowing your personal play styles that you feel like you can take away from or maybe try to work on, Chris? Uh, you want to start us off, Lon? Sure. Yeah, I'll start us off. So just like I was saying, I, I think that sometimes I need to slow down. Um, I need to be a little bit more patient with my game plan instead of doing everything, you know, I'm going to stack my captain with six influence and rushing at your face. Like, I don't have to do that every single time, right? Another thing that I personally need to work on is not getting paralyzed by looking at all the choices, So, I, which I'm actually getting better at, so I'm getting a little better on my clock. Um, those would be the two big ones for me that I think I think I have a pretty good beat on when to be a risk taker and when not to be. And I, I think I have a pretty good beat on, you know, what kind of win conditions I like with what teams. But, um, 
definitely be a little bit more time conscious and a little less thinking about everything all the time. And then also patience with your personal game plan, I'd say. Uh, with me, I think uh, the opposite than you. I'd need to commit more to uh, commit more to like understanding the strengths of my what I do. Um, I think I need to lean into that, so to say, and use that to like shore up the weakness of it, kind of like balance it steam porch style where just why why go halfway just turn it up to 11 <laughs> there you have go. a have an actual bear on the field you know yeah, so even not, Schlegel dashery yeah so let's find out how i can schlegel dash everywhere so. <laughs> uh, cool. that, that's funny because mine is like the exact opposite of yours chris so we're just doing opposite <laughs> i think <for> me <laughs> Um, I want to continue to find the, I want to get myself right in smack dab of like almost all of these, uh, other than like the wind condition. Oh, I mean, I would take the middle, which is adaptive, but I think getting myself more towards the middle, um, and more flexibility to switch between the two as needed. Like, so like I said, we're saying with like the analytical versus intuitive, I can certainly be very intuitive. I also can spend like eight minutes on my clock with an active with uh getting the perfect activation and it's like yeah i got this activation score two to four to six points and like but there's still a rest of the game um so i yeah. think the balance for me between all of it is um apparently i'm like a, a middle of the road I, I can't commit to any of these things i have a commitment problem but i want to be right i want to be right on that line in between all you won't be the yin and the yang you want to be in perfect harmony beautiful cool well, good discussion, guys. Thanks. I, I had fun uh, researching this one a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. I, always glad to hear a new uh, conversation come up for the podcast. That way I can uh, harass Mike and do recording one day. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, I, want, I want to say, oh. viewers or listeners, nobody's viewing us. Uh, listeners, you should comment on our on the podcast page. Um, or on Twitter with after you've liked us with what is your play style? Uh, use the uh, maybe Lon can put the categories uh, picture of the categories up. But uh, you know, give yourself uh, give yourself the you know corporate personality test style the uh, Meyer Briggs because like Lon classified himself in our notes as an analytical risk taker, aggressive ball. Um, you know, so he's like the ICPT. You know, whatever the garbage uh, <laughs> Meyer Briggs categories yeah. are. Yeah. Um, sorry. Well, if you think it's a terrible idea, then tell us it's a terrible idea. No, don't do it. Just, well, you can tell us it's a terrible idea, but you should still do it anyway, because it's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Questions. We have some questions, questions. from some listeners. All right. Uh, number one was the meta change with engineers getting top four worlds, or was it just hard work and dedication that got him there? Oh, can I answer this one? All right. Yes. This, this is the same. <laughs> this is the same like answer that we had last week to like the speculation that people had. <laughs> Stop like 
One okay, uh, a very stop good it. yeah, stop <laughs> it. A very good player got into the top four at Worlds who was playing engineers who played engineers all through season three, and it's not like he. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I'm I I believe that was his main guild, and I can even look it up uh, now. But like somebody who is ex- and generally the people at Worlds played what they were um, what they were uh, experienced with, and. Like, that, just because he did well doesn't mean that the team is, like, a meta, you know, is, like, a, it's now something that we have to really be prepared for. It's super good. Um, yeah, so Bartek, yeah, Bartek, by the way, is the, the top Engineers player. He has literally played only Engineers uh, in, um, in Longchamp's games in the last year. So, like, yes. He's doing well with them because he played them a bunch. He played them a bunch in season three too. I look, if you watch the games, like he made, he played really well. He's really obviously a really talented player, but I didn't see anything about the engineers that were like, you know, <laughs> uh, responding. Like, oh, oh, you know, solely responding. You know, it wasn't that he was playing engineers, and because he was playing engineers, he was doing really well. He was doing really well with his play, and had engineers along so like they, I think it's a good thing for you to, like for people to say like hey if you work hard with engineers and like play engineers you too could get to worlds and get top four but like I don't think you need to uh, I don't think this is an indication of a meta change huh. so the answer is no the answer is no yeah. it was hard work <laughs> and dedication alright number two people keep complaining them hunters and more to are broken, but what makes them broken? Do we, is this another one for me, or are you guys going to pick it up? It, it's a little loaded, uh, so if you don't agree that they're broken, just say what makes them powerful. Yeah, I was going to say, I, again, the broken part is, yeah, it's definitely, a, uh, there's like a value, there's like a, a judgment in there, like a subjective judgment, uh, like what is broken? Uh, and like You can all have slightly different definitions of what that means. They're definitely at the top of the power curve. I think that is pretty pretty widely considered. I don't know how big we've talked about shelves before on here and our, our thoughts about shelves, but um, what makes those two guilds strong or powerful? Would you guys like to comment on that? Uh, yeah. So positioning is really important in Guild Ball. I think it's one of the few talents I actually have towards it sometimes. Um. And Mort's messed that up. As well, uh, Hunters have the old fish dichotomy of we have two uh, captains who, two, who do two very different things and uh, a bunch of good squaddies to back them up. So that, to me, is what makes them very strong. Yeah, proactive game plan is what I was going to lean towards personally. Um, you know, especially scalpel or uh, scalpel and Skatha, those have very proactive game plans, and as you say, they also flex into other game plans pretty well. As also, and just to piggyback off what Chris is saying, like all those hunter squaddies are real good, and most of the mortician squaddies are real good too. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's just a, a bunch of solid players, uh, but I think as you mentioned, I think. 
one of the things that makes them really powerful is the flexibility that the movement and positioning effects that they have. Um, uh, Most of them have that. midnight offering as well, which is a, yeah. So these are, these are the only two. Yeah, well, they are the only two uh, guilds that have midnight offering. Neither of them necessarily have to pay full price for it. So, so um, number four, will you still be <laughs> you, awake after gathering these questions? Yeah, I'm skipping that Mason's question. Is it about but, why are the Masons on the strobe bus? No, 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 no. You said that the anatomical precision is, uh, uh, tradition is that we read the questions word for word. So I'm going to read the question word uh, for word. Why was Masons on such a struggle bus this weekend? Where was the alchemist at? Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, the answer is like, again, early on, People didn't know exactly, you know, there was three union players. One of them won the LCQ, the other two went, like, like bottom 10, 10 out of it, or something like that. One was, like, 79, and one was something below that. Um, but, like, yeah, I don't think that means that where you, the only thing we can know from that is that people weren't particularly interested in playing unions, uh, unions. Um, for Masons, well, yeah, I mean, for where, Alchemist, <laughs> where are the Alchemists at? Where was the Alchemist? Where was the map? So, basically, this is the same question as the engineer's question, but in reverse. Okay, so our advice is the same. The Masons players didn't do good. So, they just need to play a little better. I think Masons are in a good spot right now. Yeah, I think, you're right. I think Steve Easton does have to play better and not get 12 votes on round one. I mean, really, it's Steve Easton's fault, so. I mean, yeah. Freight went three one on the LTQ. His Masons, uh, Alistair did as well. They just didn't make the cut because of tie breaks. Yeah, yeah. So the result of that is Steve Easton Sounds should like do. You, it's a Steve Easton problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, will you be? Uh, will you will still you be wait? awake after gathering these questions? Um, so it's we did answer these like, questions on a different day than what we're recording. Uh, Mike was awake after uh, recorded uh, after gathering the questions, but he did bail on me to go sleep, so we well, didn't actually. Also, Lon wasn't going to join us, and that was sad. But he you still bail on me. I did bail on you. <laughs> I did tell you that I would record, and then I said no. Um, okay. How much is Schlegel looking forward to a year of Kiwi Kings of Guild Ball memes? <laughs> I love that this rhymes. I didn't actually notice that it rhymed until I read it out loud. You'd be kidding with your ball meme. <laughs> uh, like a great television show. Yeah, that's going to be the name of my Facebook page now. Um, Wait, hold on. Somebody say that out loud again. Kiwi, Kiwi Kings of your ball memes. How does that rhyme? It's, it's, it All right, rhyme. so. It's like a half so rhyme Mike, at best. Uh, <laughs> I know you don't listen to much English music. But you can stretch things a little bit. All right. <laughs> when you're rhyming. Fine. That's a half rhyme at best. It's a low quality. Uh, very much so. But you guys need to step it up because I've seen like three Billy memes. And I need these. These are rookie yeah, numbers. Yeah, so you just mean like freaking super time right now. Amazing. Six. What color is Dan hearing right now? Uh, purple. That's what I thought. Yeah, I think purple. 
It's obviously green, guys. Um, yeah. This you remember to hit record. Mike. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave you guys in suspense. I'm going to leave our view, our listeners in suspense, too. If you no, are you're not even leaving in the listeners in suspense. You're leaving us in suspense. All right. <laughs> Let's just say so, I've I've looked I've looked at the I've looked at the program, so I do know if we are recording. Okay, okay. <laughs> number eight. What was the tech used for scalpel to beat butchers? Did anybody actually watch this or figure uh, out what this is? Was was I mean, bots lost the game to scalpel um, in world. I don't I don't think it was on stream. Um, oh. But I was nursed with his bots. Yeah, it was nursed with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I, listen, wrong, li- wrong podcast, yeah, guys. I was gonna say listen to the other. <laughs> listen to strictly the worst as much as you know. Um, I hate to, to no, but yeah, listen to bots. I, if he talks sure, about that, yeah. I think he did on their latest episode. I don't probably remember. do a lot of battle report stuff. Um, um, but I mean, the tech I would say is that scalpel does a lot of damage and can kill the fragile butcher butcher's model. Um. So you should probably do that. Sounds. This is my favorite favorite question. What are the benefits of eating citrus fruits? You won't get scurvy. That's true. That's all you need to know. The vitamin C. The vitamin Um, C. uh, Let me tell you. Let me tell you. It's not. It's not getting rid of a hangover, despite what the Polish people tell you. I don't think Well, did you eat the right? Did you, did you eat the right citrus fruit? Maybe it's like they were specifically telling me to eat lemons. Oh, mm. the lemons didn't work. No, they just made my mouth taste good. Like so. <laughs> uh, now that all the miners renders have been shown, which one is your favorite? We okay. Them. What did we see the renders? I thought we just saw the art. Yes, we have we seen the renders. Uh, we saw the renders. Yeah, but okay, this answer is twofold. One, it sends me on a short rant. Come on, Steamforge. Where are the renders at in high resolution on your blog, like you did with these SteamCon US ones? Where were um, they? Are they only on uh, they're not. From they're the not key, on there. Keynote? No. The, on, the only one since then has been like about God tier. Uh, sure, but where do they the renders currently exist now? Oh, they're, they, they were in a Facebook post of the Keynote that we lost. Gotcha. And the ones that were shown at Steam for, uh, SteamCon US are on the blog. Gotcha. Yeah. Hey, um, can I say a quick way to fail England on not streaming the thing or live tweeting or anything? We we did you guys a solid. You can't you can't repay us once that stream went <laughs> up. There was that one guy on Facebook. I uh, well, no, you know so, why? No, no, no. Hold on. None of them could. Uh, live stream or a tweet because none of them had access to Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So, imperfect information here because, you know, I'm going off of, like, a picture from somebody's phone that's zoomed in, digitally zoomed in, uh, that's processed through Facebook's compression. Right, you know, so there's, like, five different layers of struggle bus here. Uh, I really appreciate your uh, pictures, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Ola, uh, but um, it's hard to really judge the SteamCon UK ones. But I really like Digger out of the out of the ones that they showed there. Digger is my favorite. 
Uh, yeah, I was gonna say too. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a cute little one with cute little glasses and knives for fingers. Yeah, I but I, re- but I also really really like Shaq. He's cool. He's like slightly overweight looking. He's got like it, when you look at the high resolution renders on Steamforge, you realize that they have a lot more wood than what uh, Phil Bowen gives credit for. Uh, on their machinery and robots parts. Uh, I'm sure that's true of the SteamCon UK ones, but you can't get textures. Right. So I'm going to go with the captain and the mascot. So I'm going to split this up into two parts. Okay. Go ahead. That's it. Search on how to pronounce Billy's last name. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Here go. Uh, hold on. It's, I actually did, but I forgot. It's windy. It's not. What? No, it's not. They don't pronounce W's with W's. It's um, Vine Vinefeld. So it's like, like, like the kind of German VW sound. Yeah, it's it's very much. It sounds like Winefield, but without a party and without a with the German W. Weinfeld or Vinfeld. Somebody, Weinfeld. wait, somebody, somebody, quickly, give me the. Yeah, it, that that sounds right. I, I had actually, a, I had a robot tell me the same. Google, answer. yeah, Google Translate told me the answer, but I, I, I am now not looking at it, and I don't have the spelling on, on hand. Okay. So. Lon, this on to the next one. I'll jump back to this. Okay. Uh. That'll <laughs> Why isn't Lon on this episode? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, who, who asked that question? Yes, it wait, is Vinebelt. 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 Yeah, okay. <laughs> I like I'm how your voice got I'm imitating right. the robot voice as hard as possible. So, One more time? Vinebelt. Uh, <laughs> really good. Okay. So, uh, I tried to research that. Uh, I can't blame the Dutch for having weird names. I know he's a Kiwi, but he has a Dutch name. Um, there you go. Hunters seem good. Maybe too good. How would you tweak them, or do you think they're fine as is? Uh, too early to tweak them. Play more, learn how to play against them, and then we'll talk about tweaking them come like February if they need it. Which is a little. I mean, yes. The answer is oh, probably yeah, probably yes. <laughs> everything about uh, everything about is going to be loaded for the next let's see what five months <laughs> like uh, I don't know maybe reduce some numbers just a little bit that's usually a good way to do it I'm going to call uh, it early busting the moon dots is going to go down to a single garage you heard it here yeah, I heard think it would be better if it was just one per turn that would be still you still get your tackle double dodge but you can't do the ridiculousness of I will Blessing myself, charge something, triple or quadruple dot into something else, then tackle double dot or triple dot. I think that's right. where the ridiculousness is. I think if you only could do it once, you you would have to like at least pick when it goes instead of being able to just be like, all right, well I'll use it now, dodge, use it again, dodge. But the other thing that if you, uh, with the legendary, you still get your tackle double dodge. 
an argument as well as you can do it once again. Yeah, I want Pepper Chip and Dodge Dog. So. <laughs> <laughs> How much of your wish list did you get right here, Free bro. Cities Draft? <laughs> it's going to go down. Did you guys have a Free Cities Draft wish list? Yes. Okay, how much of it did you get? Okay, so this is a really difficult question. See, because part of my wish list, a lot of my wish list, in fact, was wishes against things. <laughs> good spite, spite wish. Yeah, a good spite wish. Like, uh, like I was very spiteful about fishermen wanting cutlass. I was very disappointed in all of you. Um, so I'm glad that you didn't get them. Uh, I really wanted Lane to not butchers, so that counteracts that. So we're sitting at a net zero right now because, man, I want to play Lane and I want him to be good. And him and butchers, that's already like a point against me playing him because now I have to learn butchers. Him and Obulus? What? I thought you made a meme with him and Obulus. Oh, no, I made a general meme of just him with the joint in his mouth and sunglasses oh. on and the Doritos and Mountain Dew and Snoop Dogg. Um, <laughs> so, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> so, uh, there was another one that I'm going to make eventually, um, but that'll be a surprise. So, that one cancels it out, and, you know, I don't... It's it's going to be hard for them to find the space for a striker in the butchers that you know isn't doesn't just make them worse. too good or doesn't isn't just you know outshined by brisket because brisket's so good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's we're sitting in a neutral. Uh. Let's see, what else did I want? Uh. No man, I wasn't participating in this. I one. didn't want Gaffer towards blacksmiths because I wanted to play Gaffer and I've sworn off of ever playing blacksmiths again after I missed three goals in one tournament and went 0-2. Um, missed three goals and made zero, I think. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that he didn't go. Sorry, Rick, uh, if you're listening. I know you really wanted Gaffer. Uh, it's Spooky Boy. <laughs> yeah, he's on Spooky Boys. So, uh, I had no other real wish list because it was all about Lane and not wanting. It was all about me wanting Lane somewhere where I'd play him and not wanting Cutlass for the fish. So, on. <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't participate in this one. I won't get okay. too salty into it right now, but. I actually would have been voting for Knuckles for Fish, actually, so I guess that worked out. Yeah. Um, Ultimates, they have a lot of uh, Asian folks on the Fish team. Him and Sakana. Makes sense. There's um, the islands, like, uh... Like, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. uh, yeah, that, that works. Uh, Why so, Butcher ruin everything? You know? I don't so, know. They always ruin it. Butchers. <laughs> so, my only wish list was um, that Hunters get Edge, because that looked cool. Um, although, I wasn't, I, none of these are like strong things. And then also, I was really happy that Blacksmith got Gaffer, because Rick's 
uh, Rick's reaction to that are, are was just beautiful. Uh, just the fact yeah. that, like, I'm I'm sure Steamforge will make it work out well, but the fact that they now have a a coach model who may be a master, may be an apprentice. How is he gonna? Yeah. How is he gonna work? What is he gonna? A coach apprentice doesn't really sounds very weird. Um, based on the, their play style, and a master sounds weird for somebody, even if he's a little bit older. Uh, that was in a draft. So, uh, very Krakovian uh, wish lists all around. Uh-huh. Uh, 15. Do hunters even ha- need a captain on the board with the squaddies they have? Uh, I think Worlds tells us no. <laughs> <laughs> so do all my games where I score score the first turn, skate the goal, and let her die turn two when I don't have a captain turn two, and then she comes on turn three. That's all you need. <laughs> um, now I have one. Our yeah, serious question. No, 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 no. That's oh. not the one. I'm oh, going you're right you're now. going with the so secret. That one's, that the one's too button. loaded. He deserves to wait. Um, <laughs> so, so this one comes from Jason Mountain. I have a question Ooh. for tonight's recording. Mike Klein, how much do you want this fathom? And he sent me a picture of the uh, Moana fathom from SteamCon. Oh, nice. Um, I want it. I will say to Jason Mountain that um, I may or may not have not trusted him to actually get me the Moana and may or may not have asked other British people at SteamCon UK and may or may not have multiple uh, Moanas coming. But that said, I do have other, uh, other locals who very, very desperately want it. So if you don't want to make a large bearded uh, New Yorker cry, you should probably send me that Moana. That's all I'm saying. Hey, Mike, can I get a Moana? If I get if I get three, then by all means, yes. Okay. I, I have no idea how many are coming for me. I know, I know at least one to potentially two are coming for me. Okay, awesome. Uh, one coming. <laughs> All right. All right. We have this uh, really, really loaded question here. Uh, Now that we have a second uh, season four convention done, are we collectively willing to admit that there's some glaring internal and eternal balance issues, despite (laughs) the game being overall the best it's ever been, and those issues are more pronounced at the middle tables and still have a big impact at top levels of play? And if yes, can we discuss how few certain S models scalpel skate the scene of shank smoke? or emblematic of it by either busting external matchup balance or by busting internal <laughs> include balance. <laughs> can, can, I can I respond to this? Wait, can I can I respond I to this? What kind of balance issues again? Wait, can I can I can I uh respond to this with like a sound? Um well you are the editor, so I can't uh... stop you. <laughs> Okay, so that's um, my that's my response to this. My response to this is uh, despite this being a very loaded question, um, uh, I think you mean a well loaded, but also a leading question because the oh, question yeah. asks, are we collectively willing to admit that there is this? So the, right. he's giving us the choice of whether we are willing to admit it or not. So he's saying that it is a fact that these things are true, um, and thus, are we willing to admit it collectively as a community, or are we going to continue denying? 
So the premise of that is that they're that these things are right. true. Uh, and yeah. I think we might have some issue with the premise. So I just have an issue with this. So here because that makes me laugh. Eternal balance. Eternal balance. So, okay, I really do want to discuss this. So there Let's are eternal it. balance issues, okay? Because this is a game, and we're always going to discuss discuss balance issues, no matter how small it is, because that's what we do. We're gamers. It pisses everybody off, and that's why nobody likes us. Um. So, yes, there are balance issues, obviously. There will always be balance issues, no matter how it uh, how it folds, and even if it's even if it's your team that's at the top, there's balance issues. So there will always be. So yeah, get on you. Like the other day, and like maybe about three weeks ago or so, and was talking about how like white and chess wins like. 58% of the time, and therefore Guildhall is more balanced than Jess. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that is that is literally true. Um, like, and by the way, I'm about to do something that we I, I, that we have been saying, so I'm not heeding our own advice, but not to say that these are tell us a ton of things of, you know, that's super accurate, but if you do look at Season 4 so far, the win rates are still, again, recognizing there is a margin of error on these that is pretty significant still. Um, they're all pretty close. Like, there are some that are slightly lower, sure, and balance uh, uh, balance will always be um, like an issue, as you said, and it's not perfect. But like, Eternal balance I, issues. There are eternal balance issues. But like, I think the, I think the issue that I have with the question is the idea that like it, the prem, there was that despite the ba- game, game game being the be- overall best it's been, these there are glaring issues. I don't know those like that word choice obviously like gets to me. I think there are issues. I don't know that we'd say glaring. Um, there are like I mean there are some outliers to that that are pretty bad, like you know bigger issues. But like again, not even really like. Yes, Locus is bad cracking, but like, you know, it's, there's nothing, I, I, I hesitate to say that anything's at like the unplayable level. And I think the improve, the level of the gap between models within guilds and externally generally has gone down with maybe some exceptions, but on the vast majority it has gone down. Um, and I wouldn't put, all of those S models that uh, that were mentioned in the being emblematic of it. Shank is a really good model. He's back to where he was in uh, previous seasons when he was 2-4. That was literally the only change to him. He's a really good model and they'll take him most of the time. But um, I don't think there's any balance issue there. Smoke. There's, there's probably a balance issue between Smoke and Midas, but that's not an issue of Smoke as much as maybe Midas not really living up to what uh, they wanted for him, potentially. But I wouldn't, again, call it glaring. Scalpel and Skaza. Yeah, that there could there probably are some uh, slight balance issues with them, but like, I don't know, glaring? I'm not seeing it. I've played, I've played almost exclusively against Morticians, Hunters, and Alchemists since starting Season 4. 
and it felt fine enough. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, obviously, I do I do think that morticians and hunters are more powerful than everything, but, like, it's not thresher levels. Yeah, so, yeah. You we, just, like, play the game. Let's remember. It, it'll change eventually. Well, let's remember, um, we've had, we've had pre-nerf, uh, original release factor, we've, and, and farmers in general. Had uh, season two, obby. Se- season two, obvious. Season one and two, Blackheart. Uh, oh, season yeah. three, Corsair. Season four, three, Pet Rage. Like we've had other models that are very powerful as well. And I think again, the general thing is not only is the game uh, and season three and two fillet. Um, season one, whoever draws, don't touch their wings. Uh, season, okay. season one, wait, season, beginning of season three, Shark and Midas, let's like, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, yeah. there's definitely been various things throughout the game, and I think they have, as they have iterated through the seasons, they have gotten better and better at it, and I don't, again, I don't think the things are glaring, I think the game is in an amazing spot, and it's like one of the better balanced games. Like, I, I listen to a lot of War Machine podcasts, and I'm not, at for no reason, because I don't even play the game, but I listen to a lot of podcasts for various games, including War Machine ones, and I know they are different games, and they are structured in different ways, this isn't like a judgment on that, but the fact that um, like, I routinely hear like, yeah, yeah, I had this list and this list, but I had no answer for this, so yeah, I lost this, or I, I knew that if he played this list, I would lose, and so I just played this one, but then he picked the other one, like, those levels of like, the game is over because he had this, and we, yeah, yeah which is again, yeah, which is uh, again a part of the War Machine game, and that's like kind of how it's intended. So again, not a judgment on that, but the fact that Kill Ball, like, here's, I, I mean, I wouldn't ever go to a table and be like, oh man, you put this skill down, I can't win. There are definitely some matchups that are worse, but like, I don't know. I played Farmers the other day and beat Sharkfish, and I don't. It's not a good matchup, but like. I didn't feel like the game was over. I felt like this is going to be a tough game. Um, yeah, play it, and if yeah. you feel like you need to switch to get some competitive edge, just do it. You know, so yeah, that's the other thing. It's like easy to 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 move around and find like what's good and what you like. Right, or you could well, play rock paper scissors. <laughs> uh, so that has been another episode of Animal Talk. Say it fast and nobody will notice that you can't say it. Uh, Thanks for signing out. It's been long enough. Good night. Thanks for coming. Good night.